thousand generations of Jedi Knights and the Guardians of Peace, Justice, and Law. Welcome back to A People's History of the Old Republic. Last time we finished the Sith War and the Great Sith War, both of which ended in tragedy for, well, just about everyone, including those of us who have to tell the two apart. Now in episode 11, we have our first guest and our first interview with Alex J. Kane, author of Star Wars, Knights of the Old Republic, a book on the a book on the making of BioWare's classic 2003 role-playing game, Knights of the Old Republic. I'm Luke, that's Kelsey, and there's and always a bit of truth in legends. And that's Alex, yes, exactly. Sorry about that. Um, just real quick on interviews, uh, though we will always try to have guests on to discuss stories and information from the Old Republic timeline. The interviews will likely end up covering other topics in Star Wars uh, because we're all fans of the franchise. So, you know, just 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 so you're aware. And uh, in case you're not familiar with Alex, uh, Alex Kane is a journalist based in West Central Illinois. He has written for Polygon, the Rolling Stone website, StarWars.com, Variety, and other publications. And Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic is his first book. Uh, Alex, thanks for... Uh, for coming to talk to us. Hey, thanks so much for asking me to do it. Yeah. Um, so I guess the first question I have is, um, I follow you on Twitter. I see mm-hmm. that you, you say that, uh, Knights of the Old Republic is your favorite, uh, Star Wars game. Um, mm-hmm. what is, what is it about Knights of the Old Republic that, 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 that makes it, that makes it your favorite still like in its time, you know, if you go back and look at like the star Wars games that came before it, like it was very much a novelty. It was very, you know, completely had its own look and feel had its own, like very original Jeremy soul soundtrack. Um, So like, you know, right out of the gate, it was something that uh, felt completely different compared to what came before it. Things like shadows, the empire and rogue squadron, um, you know, but um, you know, to this day, it, it is sort of like the best, uh, you know, video game version of like a Star Wars tabletop experience, right? Where you get to like create your own Jedi hero and name them and kind mm-hmm. of have that fantasy of like building your own lightsaber and deciding, you know, what color of lightsaber blade defines me and, you know, uh, it just like little you know, storytelling bits that you just don't get in other games. Um, You know, I mean, the force unleashed, you've got like what two endings, a lot of, a lot of games you get, uh, you know, those, those multiple endings, but like KOTOR all the way through, you can kind of, you know, feel like you're really like affecting the story and affecting like the companion characters around you. And, um, you know, yeah, just having those like dialogue options that kind of, became Bioware's sort of signature um, in, in games like Mass Effect and Dragon Age. You know, I, I think that's a big part of the fun of Knights of the Old Republic is, is kind of getting to control the story, right? Right, right. And um, so let me ask you this because I've always been bad at it. 
Did you ever do, I mean, I've done them, but not, not very well. Did you ever do dark side playthroughs? Just like a couple times, you know, <laughs> if I'm being completely honest, I'd probably beat the game, you know, maybe 20 times total or, uh-huh. you know, something like that. And then like maybe three of those tops were, were dark side, maybe two, two times, you know, dark yeah. side, something like that. Um, yeah, I'm always uh, I'm always a real big coward when it comes to <laughs> to playing, uh, yeah, to, to doing it. You know, like oh, I don't want to hurt that person's feelings. You know, like yeah, yep. exactly. I, it doesn't make any sense, but you know, there there it is. Yeah, I don't want to like shortchange somebody trying to sell me a droid and like intimidate yeah. them and then like kills kill innocent people. Like I don't know, <laughs> even though it's a stupid video game. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't really do it very well. Exactly. Exactly. So you, you just, um, you just came back from celebration, right? Correct. Yep. Yep. And, uh, what, I mean, so they did, they did fall in order, the video game fall in order. They did obviously, uh, uh, episode nine trailer, star Wars resistance. Um, there was an episode one panel, all that sort of stuff. What, what was your favorite part of it what, what was your favorite thing i mean like being in the room for episode nine was like something i'll never forget like that was just incredibly mind-blowing being in a room with like you know ian mcdermott and you know stephen colbert hosting and daisy ridley mm-hmm. and oscar isaac and all these you know incredible people mm-hmm. but uh you know the things that surprised me were things like um the mandalorian i think that mm-hmm. I didn't really have a lot of expectations for the Mandalorian. You know, I was sort of like curious and excited about the idea of a star Wars live action TV show, but like hearing Filoni and and John Favreau talking about it and like seeing, I don't know, like a fairly good amount of footage from the show. Like they previewed, like it looked like a scene that was sort of roughly edited, but not like a final polished edit yet. Um, yeah, it was it was very impressive, and and you could tell like John Favreau's like having the time of his life, which mm-hmm. you know is cool. Like he's uh, you know he's done a lot of cool stuff, and and kind of paid his dues in the Star Wars universe, like uh, a lot of other people. So I mean, yeah. it's cool that he gets to kind of do his little dream project, and mm-hmm. yeah, I mean it looks like they're really doing it right. Um, yeah, Fallen Order. Fallen Order was the thing that I was sort of most excited from like a, a work perspective to cover, you know, cause I, yeah. te- I tend to write about games for a living. So it was like, you know, it was the intersection of everything I loved and getting to do it in person and, um, interview, uh, Lucasfilm games, uh, VP, Doug Riley and, and, uh, respawn CEO, um, Vince Zampella, you know, getting to just kind of sit with those guys, mm-hmm. you know, and beg them to speak build the beans on what the game's going to feel like and things like that. It was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. And, and I was, I was pretty satisfied with the, the story teaser that we got, even though, you know, we, we still don't know what the gameplay looks like, but yeah, it was a really, really good time. Yeah. Um, uh, what is that story teaser? Um, yeah. So it's, it's a trailer where you kind of see that, it's this Padawan on the run from, you know, like order 66 happens and, uh, there, there's some new planets. Um, it's all new characters, um, for the most part, except for like, uh, you know, you, you see like the villain is the second sister from like Charles souls, um, Vader comic. 
I want to say she was in the issue where they hunt down like Eth Koth uh, from like the Phantom Menace and his family. And, uh, but yeah, yeah, like the issue with like the Purge Troopers um, by Charles Soule and his, his Vader run. Like, yeah, you see like the Purge Troopers in the game and um, Cameron Monahan from like, uh, he's like Ian in Shameless and he's like, I believe, the Joker in Gotham. Uh, he's, he's like the main character. So, um, Cal Kestis is his star Wars name. And, uh, and yeah, yeah. Deborah, Deborah Wilson from like mad TV, like old school mad TV. Uh, she's really funny. She's, uh, she's going to be like his, his mentor figure in the game, but not, I don't think she's like a Jedi. I think she's just sort of like someone helping him, you know, I don't know. It looks really cool. It looks like, uh, you know, I, I get a lot of Force Unleashed vibes from it. You know, I think it's going to be very much that kind of game. Well, the Force Unleashed was uh, I, it was extremely fun. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I loved it. Uh, but uh, yeah, the story, the story elements of it, they're a little iffy. But you know, if it's as fun as the Force Unleashed, then we'll be doing all right. Yeah, I agree. Um. Did uh, did they have any? Was it was it in any way playable there at all, or was it just no, uh, no, just the video? Okay. I think That's I think E three. Yeah. I think E three. They're gonna like show a gameplay trailer, and then I suspect yeah. that they'll. It sounds like maybe they'll have like press demos or something where like press can mm-hmm. play it a little bit, or at least you know a little. Uh, you know, like a little sandbox or something, like maybe one level demo or something, but right. Uh, but yeah, that's not like confirmed or anything. That was just kind of the vibe I got. But yeah, they're gonna show gameplay at E three. It sounds like well, that that would be uh, that would be good. And you know, since it was it was respawn, I just thought it was really funny because uh, they they put the wall running in because that was a you know it's a game mechanic in Titanfall. I just mm-hmm. thought it was funny that they you know. They like, oh yeah, you can use the force to to wall run now. That's a that's the thing people do all the time. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. Uh, I, I had never. Th- I mean, it's not. I don't have a problem with it. I just thought it was funny. Yeah, I don't know. So. It's like I feel like I've seen it in like the cartoons or something, you know, in like the. Uh, oh yeah, but but yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, definitely never like in one of the live action movies. So it is like no. I mean, and I'm not, see. and and I'm not like you know. I'm not like, uh, you know, like complaining, you know, like, oh, that's, you know, that's an inappropriate use of, you know, no, no, no. I just, I just, it, I just think it's funny because, you know, they, they use that, that mechanic in Titanfall a lot. And, oh yeah. And, and, you know, and then they, they featured it, you know, in like a cool looking way in the, in the, in that trailer. So I just mm. thought it, you know, it was like, Oh yeah, of course they're, you know, it was an, it was an application of the force that they were just like, Oh yeah, we we figured this out just just <laughs> yeah yeah just now that was that was that was neat right yeah I was comforted um, by how much it looks like a respawn game like like Titanfall yeah. two and stuff like that that's good have you have you played Battlefront two do you do you play Battlefront two yeah yeah I uh, yeah I got like all the achievements in the multiplayer a while back mm-hmm. and and yeah I played through the campaign like you know twice or something and. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan of the campaign. I'm a big fan of the heroes versus villains modes. Um, mm-hmm. 
Uh, I really like like Starfighter assaults. I think that the the Starfighter stuff is like kind of where it shines, even though that's like not yeah. not really the point of the game. But like that's kind of my favorite stuff, other than the campaign. Um, they yeah. they came out with a mode called Heroes Starfighters, where it's sort of like heroes versus villains, but you're like in Darth Maul's ship. You're in like the S- Slave One. You know, you're in mm-hmm. you know Kylo Ren's Tie Fighter and things and. Um, the, the mode kind of, at least on the Xbox population, like the mode kind of just died. Like people didn't really play it after like <laughs> yeah. very soon. Like, you know what I mean? It just kind of lost, yeah. lost its uh, population, I think. But uh, that mode was really fun while it kind of lasted. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, I had, uh, I had a lot of fun with it. I think, uh, you know, they definitely uh, had the issues in the beginning and then, uh, yeah. And then they 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 fixed a lot of them and shored up a lot of them and it was a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, it got a lot better overall. But yeah, I completely agree with you about Starfighter Assault. It was weird how much better that mode was than everything else, and <laughs> that wasn't really the point of the game. You know, the from a multiplayer or or like a single player aspect for that matter. So, um, but uh, um. Well, I forgot what I was going to ask, so now it just Sorry. sounds silly. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> so, one the, um, so one of the things that uh, to to go back maybe to the um, to the the game trailer or the game preview you saw, um, we have spending a lot of time. I mean, the whole the whole point of this podcast, right, is parsing canon and what mm-hmm. is old canon and where does old canon fit together within itself, and like what of old canon might we see. Um, and you think, and since you've and seeing seeing the the new video games they're making, and the um, having just done a work on the Republic, I'm curious: is what do you um, how do you feel about like the way games in the Star Wars universe like play in that space, play with canon and what can be canon, uh-huh. and get like drawn on for other inspiration? In terms of like where they fit in the new canon, I, I think that they they've taken like great pains to, to make it be, you know, like when a game comes out, um, you know, obviously the real examples of that are fallen order and, and battlefront two are like basically the, the things that we've got so far, but, um, you know, like they clearly want them to fit in and coexist with like the animation and with especially things like the comics and the novels and, um, you know, battlefront two, did that sort of like to a painstaking degree where like it sort of, <laughs> it fits in with like, uh, you know, there's like a, a Leia middle grade novel set in the battle of Endor. And it like, it, it like bumps up against that. And then it, it sort of, it ties into Greg Rucka's shattered empire comic. It ties into like Wendig's like aftermath trilogy. And it, you know, it's like, it goes to great lengths to really uh, coexist in that universe and kind of just use like other media as like a backdrop for some of the action. And, uh, and that's cool. Um, I, I think that like where it shines is like Iden Versio and the, the original characters, Del Miko, Zay Miko, uh, Shriv, the, uh, the Duros guy who's, who's hilarious. And he, <laughs> you know, hung out with Lando like the first time you saw him, I think. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, Fallen Order, it looks like they're going to do a little bit more. 
um, sort of carving out their own like corner of the galaxy. Like here's a planet you haven't seen before, you know, here's, you know, what goes on there, which, you know, it's like Cal works as like a, like a salvage salvage worker, like uh, with the, what's it called? I want to say it's called like the salvage guild, but that's surely not right. That's just kind of what comes to mind. It's like the something guild and, and they, you know, tear apart like decommissioned uh, uh, Venator class like cruisers right after the Clone Wars and like you know sell the parts or whatever it is they do with them and um, you know things like that I I think that they're using the Inquisitors um, from like Rebels and from the comics Um, yeah Mm -hmm. and and the the Purge Trooper of course has been like something that was in legends a, a bunch, you know, there were many different purge troopers in, in like the expanded universe days and in old video games. And now it's like, we have the new version of that. That's like was created for this game essentially. And then they, they slipped it into the Charles soul Darth Vader run in the comics. And um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see if they want to bring back like expanded universe stuff in this game or if, um, or if it's mostly going to draw on more stuff like, like the Charles soul comic. And I, I mean, yeah, that's a big question mark right now. Like we just kind of don't know. Cause they only gave us like a, a small taste, right. It's sort of like, you know, Spider-Man PS4 was like announced and, and shown off in like 2016, like at, at, at least if not earlier. And then that game came out, you know, actually what like uh seven months ago or something and it's like (laughs) you know we just got our first glimpse of fallen order and it already comes out in like uh seven months from now so i mean yeah they're they're kind of uh they're really keeping their secrets or you know for a really long time here so you know by the time we know anything about it we're gonna be playing it i think uh but yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I'd like to see them, you know, play around with legend stuff where it's appropriate and play around with uh existing like novels and comics. Uh I'm a big fan of the comics. That's kind of like been one of the big things for me as a as a Star Wars fan kind of, you know, coming back to Star Wars with like The Force Awakens and things, you know, like uh I I think that the Marvel comics have been uh mostly pretty phenomenal and uh there's like some really talented Mm -hmm. writers like doing really interesting things with you know sort of teasing with the the lore and 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 yeah playing around with expanded universe ideas and um and creating like completely new things as well so yeah i don't know there's they could do a lot with fallen order um you know i imagine because of the era that it takes place in you know we'll see a lot of nods to like rebels you know maybe even solo but almost less so since like you know it doesn't seem like i don't know like like solo is kind of uh it's like it came and went and it's like i i love solo but we sort of like aren't talking about it anymore right it's kind of just like okay on to the next thing right it feels like a little bit yeah they yeah i I think that uh, I think that that solo was kind of like a uh, like a self fulfilling prophecy sort of thing. Like mm-hmm. when you let people, when you fire directors, you let them go. You you change all the stuff midstream, and you you know you you have all these highly publicized incidents, and then you the 
the press around it is is done very oddly and and it's just it's handled in that way it's it's not gonna it's not going to have the same impact and and the same you know it's not gonna feel the same Mm -hmm. as 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 obviously the the main saga movies do but you know even rogue one which which felt like more of like a a movie that was that was tying some things together um you know solo is it you know is, is just about you know largely one or two characters and this slice of their life and and that's great and i mean it's 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 good but you know it's putting all of your eggs into that basket and then when it doesn't do really well you know saying it's you know you you set it up to fail i guess is is what i was trying to say in a long way yeah i think like rogue one was like very heavily marketed right like it was you know we knew about rogue one for a long time we kept seeing trailers forever and ever and it was like you know, with Solo, everybody's just kind of like, where, where's the fucking Solo trailer, right? <laughs> like, and, uh, mm-hmm. and yeah. yeah, and when it came, I think it was like, you know, it was not too far out from release, I think, when we, when we saw, like, the Super Bowl teaser, I don't know. Right. Yeah, right. kind of a bizarre situation where, you know, I don't know if they knew how to sell it, you know, it was just kind of, uh, but I think for what it is, yeah. it's like, it's a blast, I think it's, like, beautifully shot and stuff, mm-hmm. Um so yeah, it's kind of sad that you know it doesn't seem to have been a big like success in terms of box office, but uh, yeah, yeah, I definitely like it a lot. Uh, and one of the things that Rogue One had is it was it was able to play with all new characters. We knew roughly the events, but they could create new characters and didn't have to really like pick up any baggage. Mm-hmm. And if they wanted to tie things in, right, they can reference Sagarera, and we can have like Tarkin cameos and things, but. Um, Solo had the the harder task of um, of character basis in doing it, but it managed to, I think, um, and I don't know um, how I feel still overall about it as a movie, but I think as a way it moved in uh, in the universe and the things it set up in canon and like giving us our first train, I think our first Star Wars train robbery, um, at least in cinematic universe, and then our first um, like droid revolt were just fascinating little tidbits of what is this universe like um, when we're not just staring at the Skywalkers? Um, And I think it does a really interesting job playing in that space and fleshing it out. Yeah. I think things like Crimson Dawn and Enfys Nest's uh, Cloud Riders gang, I think those things are not going to go anywhere. You know, those, I would expect to see those like in the Disney plus series at some point, you know, one of those like live action shows on Disney plus, um, I, I don't think that they're going to get rid of Infus Nest or uh, Darth Maul being, you know, the leader of Crimson Dawn. I feel like those there's just such like a rich opportunity there to mine those two things, you know, either together or separately. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what that like materializes as. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I think I think they did like some exciting setup for sure. Yeah. Um, so so. Uh, getting back to uh, getting back to the um, getting back to to your book, when um, so when you started 
when you started thinking about it, you started writing it. Did you go into it wanting to write a, a making of this game or did you want to write just a history of it or, or how did you approach it? No. So when I, I pitched it before I ever got paid to write about a video game. So it was like, I pitched this book in like May of 2016. Okay. So like, yeah, publishing is glacial. And then of course me, mm-hmm. me trying to, learn how to write my first book was, uh, you know, not easy. And then, you know, having a, having a kid two years ago and then, you know, trying to juggle like fatherhood with a freelance career that's like started taking off around the time my kid was born and then also get this book done and get it done. Right. You know, it's been like a long road. Um, when I pitched it in May of 2016, you know, I sort of, I, I, you know, the, the pitch was very, you know, I don't know. It just wasn't a book that I should be writing. It was like very sort of, you know, scholarly sounding. Like it was like, you know, it's going to be like, oh, a philosophy text, you know, about this, mm-hmm. about this dumb video game, you know, right. And it just, uh, yeah, like I'm glad that I was like thinking about those big ideas. But ultimately, you know, I, as I sort of, you know, free wrote my way into like my first early draft and and you know really thought about what I wanted to do I mean it was just I I ended up writing like a lot of dead ends where um yeah I just didn't know how to write a book like that you know it was like what am I going to do right like a like a a college like thesis and then think that people are going to read that you know um in terms Mm -hmm. of like for a a Star Wars video game book. I don't know. It was just, (laughs) uh, you know, like I saw myself trying to write something that had an audience of nine people or 12 people. And, uh, you know, I wanted to write like the kind of book I wanted to read, you know, like something that, you know, I would like be dying (laughs) to, to pick up and pay money for and, and that would actually excite people. And so, um, yeah, I started, I started writing for kill screen, around the time that like Mm -hmm. I got the book deal, um, started doing, learning how to do interviews and, uh, yeah. So for like the last three years, like, you know, pretty much as my main gig making a living has been like, yet, you know, doing, doing video game journalism and, uh, and learning how to like tell people's stories, you know, people who make video games and kind of, uh, make that accessible to like, uh, you know, like, uh, I really sort of cut my teeth um, writing for Rolling Stones uh, video game vertical Glixel, which is like gone now, uh, tragically. Mm. But um, yeah, it was like, you know, I learned how to interview people and I learned how to, um, yeah, yeah, make that the story of video game development kind of palatable and like, okay, anybody can read this and like understand what's going on. And uh, so that was a really good sort of training period for like, okay, uh, this is a way to write about video games. And then that led into me reading books like the art of the last Jedi on the one hand and and the making of star Wars by Rinsler, things like that. And then on the other hand, I was reading things like uh, Tom Bissell and and Greg Sestero's uh, the disaster artist, you know, about the making of the room, the God awful movie that Mm -hmm. I think that actually came out the same year as Night's Little Republic, which is kind of a cute little coincidence, right? (laughs) Like 2003, I think they both did. uh, And uh, I think Night's Little Republic is a little bit better than The Room, but that book, (laughs) The Disaster Artist, is a a phenomenal, phenomenal little book. And like, I just was blown away by it. So it's like, okay, like, how do I, how do I write like the Star Wars version of this? Right. And of course, like, uh, 
Well, the the answer is you usually you can't because you know it's you just don't get access to quite that many people and people aren't quite as candid when they're talking about like that star war that they worked on, right? Like they're not going to tell you about how like terrible everything was. They're going to remember how, how yeah. fond everything was like, you know, they're going to look yeah, back on yeah, it as yeah. like the great, the great thing that they did in their lives was they got to tell a star Wars story and, and it was a highly acclaimed RPG. And uh, so, so yeah, yeah, like the book kind of took its shape naturally. It was like, okay, this is this is a bunch of guys, and I've heard the same thing from like s- several reviewers or several podcasters who read it or whatever. Like, they all say kind of like this book feels like being in a bar with the guys who made Knights of the Old Republic, and they're just kind of telling you these stories over a beer. And like, yeah, that was pretty crazy. Like when I got to make that Star Wars game, and so like I'm I'm pretty cool with that. You know, if that's the vibe, you know, it is sort of celebratory with with some warts still, you know, I mean, it's not, it's not as though they pretend that they didn't have any troubles. Um, but, but they're mm-hmm. also, they're not too critical of the game either because again, like they're, they're very like grateful to have done it and, and they're really excited about the game when they talk about it. So, um, yeah, a lot of the book just came from the people that I interviewed, you know, straight up, like, um, you know, my first couple drafts were all me. And then by the time, you know, the, the book was done, it was like, it was about me trying to take all these great interviews that I had done and, and kind of uh, do justice to, to those people and not so much worry about like, what are my opinions? Like, what are my favorite, you know, quest yeah. lines or things like that? It was like, you know, <laughs> I'm going to tell these guys a story, you know, that kind of thing. So what was the most uh, surprising thing you learned, um, like from the people um, that you were interviewing about the, about the game or the making of or the process or anything? Hmm. I mean, there's like a lot of little things like, um, you know, the fact that they, they did cut like a whole planet out of the game. That's Leheron planet. That was kind of like, yeah. you know, it's sort of like uh Sakaar from like uh, Thor Ragnarok or, uh, you mm-hmm. know, and it, Visually, it looks like Canto Bite from The Last Jedi. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think things like that, like the fact that, uh, you know, modders have spent the last like decade and a half trying to restore this this planet, this lost world, right? It's kind of it's like a neat little uh, anecdote about, you know, you think of this game as like, oh, it's sort of the holy grail of Star Wars games. Like, it's perfect. Nothing went wrong. Well, it's like they, you know, they cut a whole planet out of the game because they just had to had to get the thing done and, and get it onto shelves at GameStop and stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, there, there are things like how characters evolved. Um, I think that uh, HK-47, like his voice and, and the way they played that character uh, was like a complete 180. Um and it sort of just happened all by accident. Like everything that people love about HK 47 is like a couple of guys were like in the studio for way too many hours and they were tired and they're like, this, this character is not really firing. Like this is boring. Like what if we try to make him funny and cheeky and like, you know, play up the comedy angle. And then they take him to LucasArts and LucasArts is like, this is not how this character is supposed to talk. Um, and, and it, I, I don't know, it may have been, it may have been Bioware who had the opinions about him first, but um, 
But yeah, it was it was like LucasArts who said to the VO director Darrow Farrell, like like this is this is wrong. Like the the droid's not supposed to be like a comedic character. Like he's he's an assassin and things like that. And um and yeah, and then by the time that you know, the VO directors like getting around to, okay, we're like done with all the recording. Like, do you want to go back and like fix that? And then by that point, Bioware had like, you know, lived with that character for, uh, you know, whatever, like a month and a half or something. So they're like, you know, no, like, you know, he's hilarious. Like we love him now. So, <laughs> so it was like, you know what I mean? So it was, it, there's like little funny things like that where, yeah, it, like they did not at all intend for HK forty seven to be the character that he is, right? And uh, you know, and at the GDC and things like he won like awards for for best original character in a video game that year. And and uh, you know, when people bring up Kotor nowadays, you know, they bring up like Revan, Bastila, HK forty seven. Like some people think HK forty seven is the best droid in Star Wars history, and. Yeah, it's all by accident. It's all because some guys were tired in the studio and like they were not entertained by like playing the character straight and they just recorded it funny and, and liked that better, you know, completely by accident. Yeah, that that yeah, I thought that uh I thought that that story was was interesting also the um the, the Ed Asner story about how he uh how he got added to the, um, I guess the the cast uh, by by his friend. I thought that was, yeah, um, yeah. I thought that was that was interesting because, um, you know, it, it, people have, have mentioned it for years. You know, the when you look at the names, I mean, th- there are names that you recognize, but but Ed Asner's name kind of uh, stands out. Mm-hmm. Um, there if you're not familiar with uh, video game voice actors mm-hmm. and um, and so yeah I just I, I thought that story was 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 incredibly interesting the way you told it yeah that was one of those things where it was when I was writing that part of the book and, and putting that that chapter together you know it was, it was very much like this is one of my mm-hmm. favorite things to see uh, but I don't know if like anyone else is going to give a shit you know and it turns out most people (laughs) most people who have read the whole book say that that's their favorite part of the book so i'm like okay like all right i can live with that you know because yeah i i love that part too um i think that you know the the art chapter and the voiceover chapter are sort of back to back and Mm -hmm. i feel like those two chapters together are kind of like they're the heart of the book you know it's like here's the Mm -hmm. here's sort of what the what star wars is going to look like and then here's sort of like how we we bring these characters to life with voices and um yeah i don't know that's sort of the the two most like nuts and bolts chapters because you know it's easy for like a journalist to write about the process of like doing concept art or like the process of recording mm-hmm. voiceover, you know, because it's very, uh, you know, it's like an accessible thing to, to both the writer and the yeah. audience. Whereas like, you know, when, uh, when you're doing interviews about things like, um, QA and, and, you know, and, and like, and like coding <laughs> yeah. and stuff like you just, uh, it's a little bit more technical and like, yeah, you just, yeah. there's a little bit different amount of depth that you can kind of tolerate and like, handle and and not like completely lose the reader i think in most cases that uh 
That sounds uh, it sounds a lot like uh, complaints that I've heard from uh, from Kelsey about <laughs> about his uh, his his real life job. <laughs> so um, he's. Everyone um, likes everyone likes the interesting stories about the things. The the technical details that go into normal functioning are far less interesting. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah I um that I I don't know if it was my favorite part. It might have the 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 Ed Asner anecdote. It might have been my second favorite part after finding out that. Uh, that uh, I believe it was the art director of the game mm-hmm. uh, really also disliked Malik because everybody seems to like Malik, and I just thought he was kind of there. I was like, yeah, they have to have a big bad. That's mm-hmm. fine, you know. But so I was, you know, basically what I'm saying is I was glad somebody validated my feelings. <laughs> they, thank you. Yeah. For yeah. That. I, I so that's that. John Gallagher, and so he was the. Yes, was, thank you. He, like his job title was like director of concept art or yeah, something like mm-hmm. that. And then there was also a separate art director who was Derek Watts and um and yeah, mm-hmm. I think there was like an interesting tension between those two guys because if you look at the concept art for the game, like it's unmistakable who did what. Um they have like very yeah. different styles um and uh yeah, like you know, I think Watts was working digitally most of the time. Um, Gallagher was working with like pen and ink most of the time. Um, you mm-hmm. know, Watts was very interested in like this sort of polished chrome, like Mass Effect aesthetic. You know, like Watts. Watts yeah. is like still the the main art director on like Bioware projects today, whereas Gallagher does like posters for like dc comics and uh i think like his i think Mm. his like big claim to fame is that he designed the batmobile for dc's titans tv show i believe i want to say i don't i don't know if like he's the only person who designed it but i believe like you know he's his design is the one that was like in the dc titans show so that's kind of like a fun anecdote Mm -hmm. that's not in the book at all i don't think so um but yeah he uh yeah, you know, he wasn't afraid to say, hey, like, I think Malik looks like like he's just terrible, <laughs> you know, and uh, and it's it's funny because you also get with the Malik anecdote, you get a taste of how video game development like truly works, right? You there's like a chain of command. There's these different departments and they're all like, you know, ostensibly they're all working together toward the same goal. But, you know, it's a little messier than that. Mm-hmm. You know, you have James Olin, who is like you know, this incredible celebrated game designer who's like the lead designer on like Baldur's Gate and KOTOR and Dragon mm-hmm. Age and stuff. And and he's like, you know, I, I want this very vanilla villain with like, you know, he got his jaw chopped off and he's, you know, got this uh, metal brace around his face to kind of give it that Darth Vader vibe. And then, you know, and then so you have the concept art lead John Gallagher going like, well, he looks like shit and this is a terrible idea. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, and I just hate everything about this. And then you have the art director going, well, um, this actually does fit like sort of my style, you know? And, and like I did interview Derek Watts uh, before the book came out, but like, you know, I, the material that I had from him was so slight that like, I don't think it, anything any yeah. of my original interview material from Watts actually made into the book uh, just because he sort of was so quiet. Like I interviewed him and Casey Hudson together 
uh, for StarWars.com. Mm. And then I later interviewed Casey Hudson again for a Polygon piece. And so they're like, you know, I didn't really interview those two guys like for the KOTOR book, um, but I was able to cite some mm. of my Hudson stuff from StarWars.com you know, in the book and just kind of like uh, recycle some of his better stuff. But, but yeah, Watts, I, I wish I had had like a one-on-one with Watts and got more of him, but um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, you know, like there's some things that happen when you're writing a book and it's like, you, you just can't control everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say that the EA, the yeah. EA PR contact that I had when I started writing this book um, was uh Oh, what's her last name? It's like, it's like Danica something with an S and, uh, and she was, she was great. She hooked me up with the James Olin interview first. So like right out of the gate, I had like a strong foundation for like writing this book, you know, it was like, um, you know, mm-hmm. if I did one interview and it was that James Olin interview, like, okay, cool. And then she hooked me up with the Drew Carpitian interview. And then I want to say that she like left EA at some point after that, like shortly after. And then, uh, <laughs> then I did follow up emails where I'm like, Hey Danica, like those, those interviews were so phenomenal. Can I talk to Derek Watts? Can I talk to this person? And then it was like crickets and, uh, and, 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 and like I was in a place where, you know, I didn't quite have the relationship that I have now where, you know, I write for Star Wars.com like all the time and then like have, you know, contacts mm-hmm. and like the games team and things like that where I didn't feel comfortable being like, hey, what happened? Like, can I bug some other PR person and, and get a bunch of other Bioware interviews? But, <laughs> uh, you know, I was fortunate in that a lot of people who worked on KOTOR are at other places now or in different industries doing different things. So, um, yeah, yeah. It, it's funny, like how much just kind of happens by, by accident, you know, like the HK 47 thing, you know, yeah. just like that, you know, you, uh, you get the interviews that you can get. And then, um, you know, Mike Gallo, he was, he was the LucasArts producer on the game. And I mean, he was just like the most generous guy in the world. Like I interviewed him twice for like an hour each. And so, you know, he's like the main character of the book. You know, he's the guy who, you know, you really get inside his head the most. And he's sort of like the the witness character seeing like this, this big collaboration kind of unfold between these two parties, right? You've got like sort of the, the Lucas empire with like licensing and, you know, all that and the, the prequel trilogy happening. And then you've got Bioware, you know, these D and D nerds up in Canada, uh, you know, kind of doing their thing. And, <laughs> and Gallo Gallo was yeah. like the sort of uh, mediator, you know, the arbiter kind of between those two. Um, and so, yeah, he, yeah. it just kind of worked out that he was like, you know, he's sort of like the, the soul of the book a little bit, you know, he's sort of the guy who got to, got to have this adventure. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm very pleased with, uh, that structure, the way that kind of shook out. But yeah, I mean, the fact of the matter is like some of these things are just practical considerations is like, you know, I had the most interview material from him and, uh, he was, he was the most candid interview in some ways. I mean, John Gallagher, John Gallagher would say like anything, you know, that he thought, you know, he, he didn't hold anything back, but, um, you know, Gallo would talk about, you know, details from his childhood experiences with Star Wars and, you know, oh, well, I, got, I got this board mm-hmm. game in, in Christmas of 77 and things like that. So, um, 
yeah um but yeah that's a that's a long tangent but uh yeah yeah hope no that's those are the those are the only kind <laughs> i do yeah. so you know if i mean uh you know uh <laughs> um you you mentioned in the book and it's something uh you know something that i've thought about um a, a few times is that Knights came out after Attack of the Clones, but before mm-hmm. Revenge of the Sith. And it, to me, I've I've always seen uh, Knights try uh, as trying to mesh two worlds, and it's one of the first Star Wars properties to do it because it was one of the first to have a whole lot of background. And also be able to tell a whole new story. And they're trying to mesh, you know, the EU that happened before the prequel trilogy. And then, you know, the new Jedi order that we're introduced to in in the prequel trilogy that George Lucas introduced there. And, and, you know, that changed up how, how it was portrayed somewhat in the movies, but then definitely in, in the EU as a, um, you know, very decentralized order and it didn't have a ton of formal rules and things like that. So um, I I guess the question is, you know, is that, is that something that, that they were really aware of that they were doing or, is that did did that just happen as they were writing the backstory or is so so in terms of i they didn't talk a lot about the prequels as like in terms of their feelings toward the prequels but i do know this and and this is sort of like my understanding that i've synthesized from writing the book and talking to all these guys but it's so it's they started with the background of the tales of the Jedi comics and those like that EU stuff. Um, and that, that came sort of right. from LucasArts more, I think. And, and that was mm-hmm. like, well, here's a cool starting point that will give you guys the freedom to do whatever you want and kind of, you know, have, have KOTOR be its own corner of the universe, its own kind of, uh, you know, have its own like source book style, right? Like, you know, uh, you know, in, ter- in mm-hmm. like D and D terms, like you know, Knights of the Republic is sort of its own part of the world, its own vibe and things. Um, you know, so they they started with those old Dark Horse comics uh, about the ancient Jedi, but I mean, you look at the game and what does it look like? It looks like the original Star Wars trilogy, right? So it looks like you know these guys grew up as kids going to see the original Star Wars. Um, mm-hmm. They would watch, you know, for most of them, Empire is the movie. Um, and then they, they like Return of yeah. the Jedi well enough, you know? And, um, and yeah, like they, I mean, that's what they told me. And, and you see it in the game, like the, this, it's a, a love letter to the original trilogy. Um, but like from a practical, yeah. you know, standpoint, uh, you know, it makes sense that, that, the prequels are like this rich vein of uh, information straight from, you know, a George Lucas and B um, like the licensing division that had to approve everything that was happening in the game. So, so, I mean, you mm-hmm. have this sort of machinery of Lucasfilm and Lucas licensing, Lucas licensing that you have to, you have to 
get approvals on everything anyway. So, um, you know, if you, if you have stuff that you, you have like a gap and and you're like, okay, we have to explain this plot point or we have to have a, a planet here or something or what's going on on this planet. You know, the prequels were like a rich vein of, of just sort of raw information and world building straight from George Lucas and the people, you know, directly collaborating with him. So, um, Again, you know, the alien races that you see in KOTOR, they're the alien races that are predominant in the original trilogy, the road, the Rodians mm-hmm. and the Ethorians and, you know, the Twi'leks and stuff like that. Um, but, but yeah, there, there's prequel stuff in there. And I, I think that, you know, yeah, just the fact that the prequels is like the, the live action version of having a Jedi council and, and having, sort of Jedi politics in action, you know, like I think that, uh, I think mm-hmm. Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon going to Naboo to kind of negotiate, you know, with the trade Federation and all that stuff and the Phantom Menace, like that's, you know, here's a practical example of what Jedi business means, right? Well, like Anakin says in the attack of the yeah. clones, like Jedi business, go back to your drinks. Like, you know, attack of the Phantom Menace is an entire movie about Jedi business, you know, with Palpatine kind of lurking in the background. (laughs) And, uh, yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of that in KOTOR. There's like, uh, Oh, Hey, like this, somebody got killed in this field in Dantooine and we need somebody to investigate it. Um, you know, so you're going to play Jedi, Jedi detective and, you know, stuff like that. So, I mean, the prequels kind of just naturally, made their way into the game like big time but you know you look at it and it's very much a love letter to the original trilogy and and the fact is the fact is like Mm -hmm. there's there's connective tissue to those dark horse comics but i don't think that the bioware guys cared so much about being faithful to those i think that that was more something that you know Mm -hmm. lucasarts kind of prescribed to them and they're like well we at lucasarts like these comics and there's like all this storytelling opportunities here like you know be sure to use this where you can Mm -hmm. and then bioware's like okay well you know we're gonna write our own you know (laughs) night sealed republic is basically bioware's uh star wars fan fiction story right it's like it's it's fanfic (laughs) you know that happens to be one of the greatest stories ever told in the star wars universe so it's uh it's very much like james olin and uh and all those guys kind of just telling their their version of what the old republic looks like and as it happens that's the version of the old republic that everybody kind of loves rather than those dark horse comics you know um you're you're (laughs) killing me every every time every time you're just killing me just just knives in my back. Knives. Knives? <laughs> Who says knives? Knives in my back. Um, no, I, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I think you're, I think you're definitely, um, I think you're definitely right there. I just, uh, you know, it's just something, something that I've noticed out of the, uh, you know, out of the game, out of playing it, uh, out of playing it so many times. And, and now, uh, and now doing this to uh, to talk about it. Um, so I guess before um, before we finish up, I did want to uh, you know talk to you a little bit about uh, knights and other old republic content coming forward into the canon. I mean, uh, Kathleen Kennedy talked about yeah. it. Yeah, uh, it was last week, a couple of weeks ago. I mean, you know, she 
she said something was in development for them to look mm-hmm. at. And, um, you know, that's the first time they've really referenced it by name. So to me, even though that's not concrete, it's very exciting. Um, you know, and they've obviously referenced it before and, you know, rebels with, you know, Malachor and, and things like that. So what is your, you know, do you have a sense for any of that or? Yeah. I mean, mean, so yeah, I talk in the book of course, a bit about like rogue one and rebels and the comics and how, Mm -hmm. you know, everybody who gets to sort of write in the star Wars universe, like if they have the opportunity, like they pay tribute to KOTOR. I'm currently reading Claudia Gray's uh, master and apprentice novel about Qui-Gon and Mm Obi-Wan. And there's like a scene where they're, they're in the Jedi temple and they're like a cell Jedi like swims by and it's like, Oh, there's a cell Jedi. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, Jesus. You know, like, um, it's so cool. Uh, yeah. you know, and then, and, and they're like Circa yeah. corporation is like very prominent in the novel, you know, and I'm being spoilery. So I'll stop. But mm-hmm. the point is like people love KOTOR. Okay. And so, so anytime mm-hmm. somebody, the right person gets their hands on star Wars, you know, uh, I don't know who is responsible, but if you get like the rogue one, like visual dictionary and flip through that thing, it's like, Oh, here's a character named Dustal. You know, here's a character with the last name mm-hmm. Andor. Uh, here's the planet Terrace. Here's a Senator from planet Terrace. And there, there's the hammerhead Corvette. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what is going on? Uh, you know, I'm happy about it. I, I think, I, I think Pablo Hidalgo right. writes all the visual dictionaries, but I'm, I might be wrong about that. I don't, yeah. Yeah. He definitely know, has written sure. like the vast majority of that material for the new films mm-hmm. and, and uh, yeah, for solo rogue one last Jedi. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I, I think a lot of that stuff does come straight from him, you know, being, you know, I think he's kind of mm-hmm. the, the typical expanded universe nerd, you know, probably like you, you guys, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, in terms of like, you know, really <laughs> loves like the old and the new and cares about all the lore and how it's connected. Right. It's like, you know, Hidalgo is that guy, I think. And, uh, you know, for better or worse, like that's, yeah, that's, uh, you know, his big contribution is he knows, he knows his stuff. He's a walking encyclopedia. So yeah, I think, we, I think we have him to thank mm-hmm. for all those rogue one Easter eggs since they are all kind of basically from that visual dictionary, I think, it, you know, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I, I'm sure there are people in story group who also are KOTOR fans and who have also like, you know, been responsible for that. But uh, yeah, getting back to the point, like, um, you know, like in the press, you know, there were all these sort of like rumors and, and reports and it all seemed mm-hmm. very dubious, like, oh, KOTOR thing is going to happen. Uh, and I, you know, I just sort of rolled my eyes at that. Like I, you know. Yeah. After, after we had what, three, four years of, you know, there's going to be a KOTOR video game yes, remake, you yes. know every every quarter yes. we would have, like, oh know, here's yeah. another article alleging that bioware wants to make kotor 3 or a kotor remake or a reboot or mm-hmm. you know remaster or whatever uh and it never none of it ever materialized in 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 you know official channels or the public or anything and it's like here's a guy from mtv josh horowitz i believe is his name he's like you know hey fans want night mm-hmm. silver public like you going to do anything about that? Like and Kathleen Kennedy is like, yeah, like we're making, we're developing something uh, to look at. Yeah. Very seriously. And it's like, 
Mm-hmm. That was a total bombshell for me. Like as, as somebody who, you know, I, yeah. I write for starwars.com. And so I tend to think of myself as somebody who like, uh, you know, Oh, I've got my pulse on what's happening over Lucasfilm. Oh yeah. Like, you know, I feel like I, I I've got a sense of things, oh, you know, <laughs> and of course I don't because yeah, yeah it's, they, they're absolutely, they know how to keep their secrets. And, um, so yeah, that was a good day for me to kind of like, uh, check Twitter and see like it just exploding with holy shit. Kathleen Kennedy just said Knights of the Republic and, 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 you know, um, so yeah, you know what that's going to look like. That's who knows. That's the big mystery. Um, you know, I, I think the people pointed out Weiss and Benihoff, uh, you know, from game of Thrones, they seem like a natural fit mm-hmm. for that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, I tend to agree. I, I don't know. It's, uh, Will it be a film? Will it be a series of films? I mean, I think that, you know, look at what they've done with like the old Republic MMO. Um, Look at, you know, I mean, there's just like endless possibilities to tell the story of like the ancient Jedi and the ancient Sith. And it's like, you can do anything and, uh, and still pay tribute to what's come before. So, I mean, you know, you could have Revan as a character and still tell a completely new story mm-hmm. that's unlike anything else. Um, and I think yeah. I'd be okay with that. I, uh, you know, I definitely have my version in my head of how I think that they could do it. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I kind of expect it to be a trilogy of films and uh, yeah, whether that's, whether that's completely wrong or not, who knows? Um, you know, it, they could do it in a TV show, but they have to be aware. I mean, you know, Kathleen Kennedy, being willing to say to the press like, Oh yeah. Like I know that KOTOR is a big deal and everybody wants that, you know, kind of communicates to me that they know when they do finally do Knights of the Republic live action, you know, like, like people, people will go to the theaters and pay monies to see that, you know? So, uh, yeah. So I don't know. I kind of want like a trilogy of movies and I, you know, I want it to feature Malachor. They keep they keep referencing Malachor in Rebels, in the comic books, and in, in all this stuff. Like Malachor mm-hmm. is a big deal to the Lucasfilm Brain Trust or whatever it is that they're calling it now. You know, the people like Dave Filoni, Dave Filoni, yeah. and uh, Doug Chang, and all those folks. Like they <laughs> they've got something planned for Malachor. Um, I think that you know they haven't they haven't really mentioned Revan in canon, so it's like. Revan, Revan could be or do mm-hmm. anything in the story, I think, you know, and I think if it, if it looks and feels like Revan, I think fans will be forgiving of that. Hopefully, you know, whatever they do. Um, yeah. You know, I think, what was the other thing? Oh, oh the presence in rebels. Right. Uh, so like, you know, if people are mm-hmm. listening and they don't know, you know, like there's, there's the Sith holocron in rebels that Ezra picks up and, and basically there's like a, you know, a, a very female sounding voice and the character is officially named the presence. Like we don't know anything about this Sith voice. Right. And it, and it's, it sounds exactly like yeah, Kreia, yeah. right. Darth Treya from KOTOR two. Yeah. And so like, I, I'm just kind of working under the assumption that that's, that's Kreia and Dave Filoni came like very close to saying Kreia like, on stage, you know? And he's like, he's like, I know who that is, but I'm not going to say it, you know? And, uh, yeah, I mean, you could just looking at that interview where he, he didn't say Kreia, but he was sort of like alluding to the fact that like, oh yeah, like 
I know that's Kreia, but I can't say that yet, you know, for, for practical yeah. reasons, you know, um, yeah. story group reasons. Um, yeah. You don't want to, you don't want to set, you don't want to set mm-hmm. something in stone that you're not going to write or that, you know, you're not going to principally yeah. write. It's like, you've anyway. got this story group. Who's like this amazing resource for people like Ryan Johnson and JJ Abrams and the comics people and stuff. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, Weiss and Benioff could write their own Republic trilogy, old Republic trilogy and, and do pretty much any story they want to tell. And then the story group could be like, you know, this character would work as Revan. This character would work as Kreia, you know, and yeah. you just have those characters in your script be Revan, Kreia, um, you know, some of the other big, you know, I'd like to see Bastila. I think Bastila has kind of become my favorite character mm-hmm. in the course of working on this book. I've really gained an appreciation for Bastila and uh, in, in replaying, replaying the game a bunch of times, <laughs> you know, it's like research while I was working on the book over the mm-hmm. last two years, you know, um, really drove home like how great Bastila is as sort of like a, you know, she's sort of like the Obi-Wan or the Ray of her generation, right? Like the sort of the ultimate, like the perfect mm-hmm. Jedi Knight, you know? Um, so yeah, I'd like to see Bastila. I'd like to see Revan. I'd like to see Kreia. And uh, I, I like the Zabrak guy from KOTOR 2 with the uh, mechanical arm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Walter. He's great. I, I'd love to see a version of him. I think he's a good character, you know, with like kind mm-hmm. of his voiceover performance is really good. You know, are we going to see Cartho mm-hmm. Nassi and Mission and, and all these other characters like on the big screen? Like, I don't know. Like it starts to become more dubious the more characters you name. But I, I think like Revan and Bastila, uh, yeah, Revan, Bastila and Kreia are kind of like the core, right? They're kind of like the the ones that fans mm-hmm. really, really want. And so, you know, if fans kind of willed Knights of the Old Republic, the movie into existence as Kathleen Kennedy, you know, is hinting at, you know, what else did they will into existence? You know, I mean, um, yeah, I don't know. Like there, there's sort of a sense among a lot of people like solo was the movie. Nobody asked for, well, you know, KOTOR is the movie yeah. people are asking for. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know yeah. what's happening behind the closed doors at Lucasfilm, but, uh, I would love to see them, you know, do sort of the ultimate old Republic movie trilogy or something and just, and have people really embrace it. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm dying to see whatever, whatever it is that she was alluding to. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, you're not I definitely alone in that. agree. Uh, Kelsey, did you did you have any did you have anything? Oh, I, I just think I think there's a, a deep deep interest, and I think um, I think uh, doing doing um, an old republic uh, cinematic thing would be good because that's the place it really has been explored the least. We've seen like the the tail end of it, but going going deep on on the old republic era, Knights of the Old Republic era would be fascinating and it would also leave the uh the feel and the video games largely intact um so yeah no i'm, I'm fully on board i hope i hope i hope your your guess is right <laughs> yeah we'll see it's like it makes the most sense i think it's like to do it proper justice you know do it in a movie you know, hopefully we'll see yeah yeah um well before we uh but before you you plug your book, um, 
And we go, I did have one other question because you, you told me when we were setting this up that you had a James Olin quote that you left out of the book. Um, mm. Something about, uh, about, about the buildup or, you know, possible new Knights of the Old Republic. Oh, content okay. I remember. Like I remember. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So the James Olin thing that really like made my ears perk up when I was talking to him on the phone, this was like, so this would have been like March, 2017. And, uh, and mm-hmm. he's no longer a Bioware and yeah, this didn't really have a reason to make it into the book, but it is interesting. And that is, um, at the time, one of the questions on my mind was like, Hey, like would the old Republic ever make it to consoles? You know, like why, why can I not play the old Republic on my Xbox? Like I can't afford to go out and buy like an expensive PC, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, and I, I'm just, I've exactly. never been like a keyboard and mouse type of player, you know? Um, that, that sounds lame, mm-hmm. but it's just, it's my truth. Right. Like I'd rather play something on a console, but, um, <laughs> yeah, and and so his answer to that was supremely interesting. Um, I'm tempted to like try to find it, but um, the gist of it was this: um, he basically said the old republic would never come to consoles for very sensible reasons. He's like, I think that if doing that were easy and or worthwhile. Don't you think Blizzard would have done that with the World of Warcraft by now? I mean, he didn't say it like condescending, condescendingly and snarky like mm-hmm. I just said it. But, you know, uh, that was sort of his point was like, like, if that was easy and worth doing, you know, um, yeah, World of Warcraft to be on consoles and things like that. And, you know, I was a young games journalist, you know, starting my career still at that point. So, uh, yeah, I mean you know, I should have known better than to say like, Hey, are we ever going to see older public on consoles? But the way he framed it was what was interesting. So he, he said, if we were to do like an MMO for consoles, um, he said it would be something that was built from the ground up new, fresh for all platforms. Right. And so it's very, it had a whiff of like the elder scrolls online, Bethesda, you know, Zenimax online studios, Mm -hmm. you know, elder scrolls MMO, where it's like, it's on Xbox, it's on PS4, it's on PC. And those experiences are pretty much like, Mm -hmm. it's pretty much the same experience, uh, you know, give or take a mouse and keyboard. Uh, and, uh, I mean, that idea is so attractive to me, like the Elder Scrolls Online with Jedi, you know, okay, like, give me that. And, uh, and yeah. like at the moment, like, yeah, maybe it's a little too much like the Old Republic as it is, like, maybe it's not the time for that quite yet. Um, but the way he framed it and the way he chose his words so carefully and the fact that, you know, there's a PR flack on the line from EA and, and she didn't, she didn't like scream, like <laughs> James, like shut up, like, what are you doing? Uh, it, it made me think yeah. that, and okay. So like looking at it in retrospect, like what we know and what we think we know that's been reported in the press and various things, like just sort of like uh, speculating here. You know, I, I think that maybe Olin had a vision for like the Elder Scrolls Online in the older, you know, the the old the old Republic 2.0, yeah. right? Like a new older Republic MMO that could be like 
canon adjacent and or canon friendly and and you know mm-hmm. like the new era of like bioware old republic star wars um i suspect that that's not in development in any way shape or form anymore i maybe it never was um but it, again yeah the way he framed that quote was was like if we were to make something and you know you you hear things in people's tone of voice and you kind of are like oh shit like he's saying mm-hmm. something to me that you know he's communicating something maybe he doesn't realize he is and and it was just at the time i was like oh man like maybe they're trying to make this you know elder scrolls online in the star wars universe you know on all these platforms and uh, mm-hmm. yeah as time has gone on this is now two years later, you know, two years down from that interview. And and now Olin is with wizards of the coast developing like a new IP for them sort of to live alongside like D and D and magic, you know, like this new third big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thrilled about that. I think that he's going to be happier than he's been in years, probably doing that. I think that, you know, that's kind of his, his dream gig. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I question I question the likelihood of a Bioware Star Wars game in the in the near future. Like, you know what I mean? Like they've got uh Casey Hudson mm-hmm. is running the ship at Bioware. He's the Mass Effect guy. He wants to make Mass Effect uh Mass Effect five, yeah. you know, so to speak. And uh and they've got they've got Dragon <laughs> Age four is like the thing that they're, you know, really devoted to right now. They've got they've got new old Republic expansions happening or at least, you know, one big expansion coming this year. Yeah. Um, and, and Hudson said like from a business standpoint, like he's been surprised at, at how sort of worthwhile the older Republic still is and wants to keep supporting it. And, and then they've got Anthem, which I mean, that's like, a, that's a whole podcast on its own, <laughs> but because Anthem is like a really interesting yeah. uh, mess and it's, it's a really fun game for the first 60, 70 hours. And then you kind of hit a wall where it's like, oh, uh, now what do I do? And, and I think that if they support Anthem, it could be something great and amazing the way that like the older public eventually mm-hmm. was and the way a lot of those sort of live service, uh, like shooters, like destiny and stuff. You know, they, they can grow into really interesting, you know, living, breathing worlds uh, if they're supported properly. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how quite confident I am in Anthem's future right now. That's uh, I hope that it becomes a successful IP for them. Yeah. And they get to make Anthem 2 and it's twice as good. Uh, yeah, I don't know about that one. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It seemed... When, when the EA Star Wars partnership happened, it was like, well, oh, God, like, you know, Bioware is a division of EA. Like, we're, we're going to get, you know, the next a KOTOR reboot or a KOTOR remaster. Yeah. And it's like so many of those things seem very just up in the air right now. You know, big question mark. And uh, and mm-hmm. I don't speak for like any of those people. You know, I don't know what I don't know what Lucasfilm Games yeah. wants to do, you know, internally with the older public property. Um and I don't know what EA at large wants to do. Um, but they have to know that the older public is like a, a thing people want. Um, but again, if Kathleen Kennedy and those folks are like, Hey, we want to make a trilogy of films that might mean that the older public is just off limits for the time being, you know? So kind of, you know, the way the sequel trilogy Mm -hmm. content is in some cases, like if you look at, 
um, the last, you know, since the force awakens has come out, um, you know, stories have so much wiggle room that they can have like this very much ties into the force awakens. This very much ties into the last Jedi. And it's only really with the resistance cartoon that we're starting to see, uh, things like branching off of that. And so, yeah, I, I think mm-hmm. that the old Republic is kind of in limbo. And I think that that non-canon MMO is what we're going to have for a while until, until we know more about the thing that Kennedy was alluding to, which is probably years off. So it's, it could be, could be kind of a weird, interesting yeah. time for the Knights of the Republic uh, fandom, right? You know, we just don't know. We don't know what's happening. So, uh, but yeah, that's the story behind the Olin quote that you were talking about is, yeah, it was a very mm-hmm. interesting thing for him to say the way he said it. And uh, yeah, I think that I think he had a lot yeah. of, you know, sort of daydreams about what could be. And I don't think that they're happening anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, um, Kelsey, did uh, did you have anything else? No, I'm just excited for all of the future of the past of Star Wars. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a that's a good uh, that's a good way to say it. Uh, well, um, thank you everyone for listening to a people's history of the old republic. I am not nearly good as at the outros as Kelsey is, um, but please uh, like, rate, and subscribe wherever you listen. And uh, you can find us at Photorpod on Twitter, or you can email us at photorpodcast at gmail.com and ask us any questions and we'll be happy to answer them here. Um, and Alex, uh, please tell people uh, a little bit about the book. Yeah, and so the book is, it's, it. a, it's a short read. It's like 130 pages. Um, you can get the paperback at bossfightbooks.com. You can get the Kindle ebook at amazon.com and, and you can get it at some other places too, uh, you know, various retailers, depending on what kind of, format you like to read it in but uh, yeah i think that it's a very fun book for people who care about either star wars video games or who you know like to see how the sausage is made you know my favorite books lately are like mm-hmm. the phil show stack uh, art books that talk about like you know this is the story behind the you know creative uh you know pre-production on solo or on the last jedi and things like that um you know, this book very much tried to capture that for Knights of the Republic and, and tell the story behind that game. And um, the response to it has been overwhelmingly positive. Um, I mean, it's gotten really glowing reviews from from publications that, uh, you know, I was thrilled to see even take a look at it. So, um, yeah, and I'm uh, I'm on Twitter at uh, Alex J. Kane, K-A-N-E. And uh, yeah, I've, you know you'll find me writing at places like uh, polygon and star wars.com in the coming months and, and hopefully some other places too. But uh, yeah, yeah, it was a dream come true writing that book and, and getting to tell that story. And um, yeah, hopefully I'll get to continue telling stories like that about, you know, these games that we really love. Um, you know, it's sometimes it's very hard to, to see behind the curtain and how those things came to be. And uh, I think that, you know, if you're curious about what goes on behind the doors at uh, a place like Bioware or, you know, what was it like at LucasArts in 2001 to 2003? You know, I think this book is, you know, maybe one of the best 
you know, artifacts of, of, you know, kind of oral history of that time where, you know, I interviewed, I interviewed as many people as I could and, and really tried to use their voices as like the predominant driving force behind the book. So, I mean, it is very much like an oral history, like uh, Rinsler's making of star Wars trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Well, <laughs> well, you know, thank you. Uh, thank you again for coming on. Um, and, and we really appreciate it. Good luck with, uh, good luck with the book and, um, good luck with, uh, with your career. And, uh, thank you very much everyone again for listening and may the force be with you.